A survey just released by Royal National Institute of Blind People Scotland finds that difficulties in social distancing are just adding to the stress that many blind and partially sighted people experience when they're just trying to get access to basic shopping. Here we speak to James Adams, who's director of RNIB Scotland. Good afternoon, James. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. James Adams, you're the director of the Royal National Institute of Blind People in Scotland. Um, today, you're issuing a report of, a, of the results of a survey. It's not very happy reading for no. blind people. No, that's right. We've conducted a nationwide survey and some of the findings um, that have been unearthed is that uh, 75% of blind parts of people in the survey uh, are concerned about accessing food. Um, 80% of blind parts of people have indicated that, which stands to reason, the way in which uh, food is being obtained and accessed by them has changed uh, because of the coronavirus situation. And almost half now are relying upon other people to actually supply them with food. Um, it's becoming an increasing concern. And the, perhaps the starkest uh, finding is that one in five, 20%, have said they're now considering rationing their food because of that uncertainty around when they might be able to access food in the future. That's really pretty terrible. And we're, we've been told by the government that they had vulnerable people on a list um, so that, uh, you know, shopping could be done for them or um, so that they could access supermarket bookings. Is that not even working? So what the situation is that uh, the government have a, a list, a priority list of those who are deemed to be medically or clinically vulnerable to coronavirus. So quite understandably, uh, they're getting you know, priority access to foodstuffs and other sorts of services. Um, the issue for many blind and parasite people is that just because they're blind and parasited, it doesn't that, doesn't that in and of itself doesn't make them medically vulnerable to coronavirus. But it does, from our point of view, make them situationally vulnerable because of the coronavirus situation. Um, so we're actually calling on government um, to work with ourselves and with the supermarkets to develop a mechanism whereby blind parasite people who are situationally vulnerable um, because they are finding it hard to access food to get slots at supermarkets, to be able to get onto a priority list so that they can access the food that they require. It's quite terrible. And what of the other um, facts which you unearthed, which I found really quite surprising, is that one in five people say that they hardly speak to anybody else over the phone. Now, it would seem to me, as a layperson, that um, a phone would be a lifeline to somebody who's blind or partially sighted. Absolutely. Um, you know, many blind partially sighted people um, are becoming increasingly socially isolated at the moment. Um, many often, you know, live on their own. So, you know, the way in which they would communicate with outside world is going to be through the telephone. Um, and it is a concern of ours. I mean, one of the things which RNAB has been doing is we've been uh, using our staff to contact as many blind parasite people as we have on our books, uh, just to try and put them in touch with us as an organisation uh, with access to various types of support, but also, crucially, into a social context. So we set up a, 
football telephone group. It's been quite tasty recently, all this stuff going on. Can you uh, really play you, uh, football on, dis- on the phone? <laughs> a few testy discussions about the current state of the Scottish Football League. Um, I shan't go any more about that. Uh, also, we've got our film club, um, book groups, these sorts of things, even a choir group based out of Edinburgh, in actual fact, um, which, you know, do bring together blind fire set people to just have that social interaction and that engagement. And that is so very crucial. I mean, obviously, we talk about the sort of bottom line issues such as foodstuffs and medicine and, you know, these sorts of, you know, crucial things that you need um, in life. But also humans are, you know, social beings. And actually, there is a concern about increasing isolation. So, you know, we really think we can uh, as a charity to try and, you know, address that and to, you know, um, help blind pass people. So I just an appeal to any of your sort of listeners that, you know, if they do happen to know a blind pass person, you know, give them a call. Um, also tell about RNB's sort of support and services because we do have, as I say, uh, sort of various groups and so forth that are conducting themselves over the phone so they can have discussions about football or sport or you know, whatever, that, whatever that might interest them. So that's something I'd say we're doing as a charity, uh, but we do appreciate it's going to become an increasing concern, not just for blind sight people, but, you know, across society, social isolation, mental health issues. This is Mental Health Awareness Week. You know, these things are becoming more apparent as this lockdown continues. Yeah. And of course, the, the simple fact is that blind people find it very difficult if they are out walking on their own, perhaps, um, to socially distance. And of course, I've also heard that guide dogs aren't trained to socially distance either. So that uh, compounds the problem, even if they have a guide dog. I mean, that's right. And um, it take, always takes a long time to train a guide dog. So you know, it's not as if you can do like a training module um, just to uh, you know, update their, their training or so <laughs> forth. But um, it absolutely is the case. You know, a lot of blind parasitic people, uh, you know, the idea of going about having to socially distance is a real challenge, you know, for, for quite self-evident reasons. And a lot of blind parasitic people, you know, if they're going out and about, they rely upon either a white stick or perhaps a guide dog or some instances a, a, a sort of a guide, somebody, a friend or a family member or, or whoever may actually, you know, uh, be a guide for them. You know, social distancing makes all those three sort of methods that get out and about very challenging. And again, that does obviously uh, make it difficult to go to the supermarket, which is what we talked about at the start of the sort of discussion. But also, of course, that, you know, most basic fundamental thing of, you know, being socially engaged, going out and about and just doing whatever it is you do on a daily basis, you know, that becomes a challenge as well. So that does compound the social isolation concerns that we have. Good. Well, RNIB is trying to help and support all blind and partially sighted people. And of course, you have your helpline on 0303-123-9999 and perhaps uh, anybody who's listening who has sight loss or who knows someone with sight loss could call that helpline for some assistance from you. But in the meantime, James Adams, thank you very much for speaking with us. Thank you. I then spoke to Karen Said from Edinburgh, who's registered blind, and she spoke to us about her need to ration food during the lockdown period. Here's Karen. Now I'm going to speak to Karen Said from Edinburgh. Now, Karen, you are a registered blind person, so do tell me about the difficulties you've had during the pandemic so far. The main difficulty for me during the pandemic has been pure isolation and lack of contact and touch. 
As a blind person, I live in a world of touch, where you touch things to find out what they are, you touch things to know where to go to, you listen to sounds. So sounds have changed because, well, up until now, traffic's been quite quiet. So the bird sounds and everything's been still, and that means that things that bounce off things has been different. I can't touch things because I it, the virus can remain on things, so that's been quite difficult. And then this thing called social, um, which is called um, social distancing. social distancing. Yeah, which has been a nightmare. How can do you go shopping on your own usually? I used to love going shopping. Shopping was one of the things I really enjoyed doing because it was one thing where I could interact with either other people in the shop, as in, i.e., um, people who could help me around the shop, and or people um, or just kind of go for an experience with my carers. So we could go and pick up of things, and it was like a, a whole bit like a day out really even food shopping is a bit of day out and with every shop there's always not only food things you can get other things as well so I really enjoyed enjoyed the experience um I don't shop at all now the last time I went shopping on my own or and or with my carer and it was with my carer actually was when everyone started doing the bulk buying and it was horrendous and it just caused me to have a massive panic attack because it just felt felt very dystopian and very frightening. The other thing, which means that you're a wee bit more vulnerable to the coronavirus uh, itself, is that you are, you're in, you say that you're in the black and minority ethnic group, but I don't know what ethnicity you have. So you'll have to tell me. Um, I'm Asian. I'm, I'm from the Pakistani community. So as you can imagine, we're, we're not as high a gradient as, say, the Afro-Caribbean community, but we're pretty high up because um, of diabetes or obesity. Or, and we're not quite sure what the other reasons are. But yes, I am more at risk than what uh, an average, I don't know what you'd say, the, the correct terminology, but an average person is. Uh, I'm also older. I'm in, in, in my early 50s. 50s which consequently means if you're in your early 50s that's kind of getting into the age range of um that kind of dangerous age so yeah i'm i'm more at risk the new survey which is just out says that people have had to ration food during the current lockdown have you had to do that yes i do um i ration food because i only get my carers come in once a week they do a lot of virtual stuff um they they do a lot of calling me on um, WhatsApp and FaceTime and things and check things in the house. When they come, they, they're great. We, we've actually had access. Uh, just one great thing about Edinburgh Council, they've given access to PPE for carers, and we just got it today, a great big box of it, which is amazing. I can hear the cheering um, coming from your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's been, it's been, that's been incredible. But, we've, um, but the, the other thing that it means is they only come once a week. You, I have what's called an A list, a B list, and a C list for shopping. What I absolutely would desire to get, what I hope to get, and what I will actually get. And I ration my food all the time. Um, my treats, I ration them, I ration everything because I don't know. There's a, there's no guarantee that one of my carers might be ill, and that person then can't come that day to bring in the shopping. Um, you, you can't get shopping on demand really. And time slots are very difficult to get on um, online shopping if you can do it. I'm not very good at that. Um, technically, I can do some things really well, but other things I'm actually quite rubbish on. 
And so I, I don't particularly like to get online shopping and I'm not very good at it. Um, and it's very difficult to get slots. What would help you if uh, if there was one thing that would help you? Is it um, perhaps some of the supermarkets, for example, have opened up uh, for NHS staff or elderly people for an hour in the morning? Would you like to have access to a supermarket at that time? Would that suit you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it would really help supermarkets if somebody is going on their own to the shop. That there's a as a way of social distancing. One of the ways we used to go shopping was I used to hold on one side of the trolley and they someone else used to hold on the other side of the trolley. Kind of has a distancing process, or I can give a list and they go and get the list of stuff. But you do have to go on trust level that they get the right stuff for you. Um, you can be a bit of a hit and miss on that one. I I think I think some understanding and awareness from supermarkets, but I think you can't have a ridiculous. What they have at the minute is like a seven thirty to eight half hour slot it takes a lot longer to shop for a blind person it can take up to an hour an hour and a half to go around the shop to get all the things you want to avoid all the people you need to avoid it can it can take time so you need to be able to make sure that you have a a time you know the the time slots are a sensible time slots if that makes sense absolutely and tell me a little then about uh your daily exercise do you get out for daily exercise or how do you manage i go out once a week if i'm lucky um and again it depends on how much time we've got how i feel that day because i think um isolation you get into a pattern where you kind of feel safe in the house and you don't particularly want to go out I went out once to a park and I'll never do that again. So I went to, um, I live near Easter Road and I went to a park near there to walk around um, on a weekend with my carer and people just got a bit too close for comfort. So I don't, I won't do that. I literally go around the block once a week. If I could give some advice to people, I think when you see somebody with a cane or with a dog, don't come near us, kind of... Um, try and veer around us try and concentrate when you're walking around um but i also think with people have a fear is it try and do try and offer help if you can even if speaking by speaking and just saying where you are and talking to somebody and i think if shops could have clear directions as to how to access and support people and to allow people to have better time slots longer time slots that would be great too so all of that would be an excellent way of supporting people i think there's there's ways of kind of getting things done but we we need to think of positive ways because for me the fear is not the lockdown the fear is the unlock because when the unlock starts happening it's how we're going to manage the unlock that's going to be more trickier than the lockdown that i think is much the same for all of us i think we're all a little bit uh Uh, worried about how that's going to happen but kirin thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today thank you thank you so much for listening to the edinburgh reporter podcast listen out for more episodes coming soon